Hey everyone, this is Kurt Frankum with the Corecast, a short little behind-the-scenes podcast where I share some random thoughts for our core leaders who contribute to leading LDS. And if you're not yet a core leader, I know you'll become one right after you listen to this recording at leadingLDS.org slash core leader. Um, I am sitting on the back deck of my in-law's house. You know, they live in this little town called Pingree, Idaho, just outside of Blackfoot, Idaho, which is right in between Pocatello and Idaho Falls. And, you know, when you live in a farm, you got nothing but land that surrounds you. So they have this gorgeous backyard that uh, would have made a perfect place for my wedding reception. But I got married in January, and it would not have been a perfect place for my wedding reception. But anyways, it's just like, this is like the best part of Idaho. It's just coming up here. Get away from the city, get away from the smog, get away from the hustle and bustle, and uh, relax. Uh, I actually went for a run this morning, and uh, which is kind of hard to run up here. <laughs> I guess on the route I took, because it's just like long, straight roads. And so it just feels like you're running forever and not going anywhere. But uh, it's like a different form of a treadmill. At least I can watch a movie on a treadmill. Um but on the run, you know, you get different ideas that come to mind. And, and I was listening to this podcast that took my attention to um, another thought of kind of one of the overall purposes of leading LDS is that one of the big purposes is for it to give permission for leaders to be human, right? And what I mean by that is it's so easy, like, from the outside looking in for the bishop or the Relief Society president to look like they have life all put together, that they make all the best decisions, that they're just this spiritual giant that like walks around and reads their uh, scriptures for three hours every day and prays every other hour, right? And in reality, there's a lot of leaders out there that are in that role feeling like, I thought when I was the bishop or at least I was supposed to be I was supposed to be just a spiritual giant that walks around and get my life together. And then they realize it's not that way. So one of the purposes of leading LDS is just give leaders permission to be human and recognize leadership as an ongoing struggle and find encouragement in that and keep going. Right. So I made a list of, of like permissions I want to give for, uh, for leaders out there that may be struggling or who don't give themselves this permission and feel a little bit of shame um, related to it. So I just wrote down real quick after my run, like some, some random permissions that I would tell a leader. I did this maybe in the context of a Bishop, but I think it applies to most leaders. Um, The first permission every leader should have is the permission to say, I don't know. Whether it's in a one-to-one interview, when someone's asked you a really hard question, when somebody's doubting and looking for answers and you don't have them. Uh, there's a variety of instances where it just, sometimes the bishop gets put in this corner of, well, you know everything, so a wise leader tell us, tell us what to do. And it's okay for a leader to say, you know, I don't know. I haven't studied up on that topic, or I maybe need to do some more research, or I don't know, and I don't know if I ever, ever will know, right? Next permission I would say is, it's okay, you, I, I would give permission to leaders 
give leaders permission to say no and still feel like a great leader. Uh, and what I mean by no is you can say no to uh, other people's crises. You can say no to other people in general. And, for example, I've, I've shared this example a few times in the leading LDS world. But there are often times as a leader that, you know, I was in a, when I was a bishop, I was in a high, uh, very transient, high welfare uh, ward. And so a lot of welfare requests coming through. Um, I had a team of four uh, inner city missionaries that would help me out with it. And many times I would get maybe I would get a phone call on a Thursday of somebody that's just in a really tough spot, and they'd say, "I'm about to be kicked out, and I need I need a rent check." You know, and I don't even know this person from Adam. I have no relationship with them. And sometimes leaders get in this situation where they feel like they just have to run out the door and sacrifice everything because they have to go save the day with this person's crisis that they didn't create, right? They didn't, um, so they, they didn't, they have no responsibility per se. So why should they uh, run out the door to do that? But, and so oftentimes I would just say, you know what, I'll be at the church on Sunday. I can help you then if you can figure out, uh, you know, to talk with your landlord or whatever, to buy you a few days, but I'm not available tonight to consider that. And, um, and just in general, I feel like so many leaders feel like they have to say yes or um, that it's their job to be the superhero of the neighborhood, that it just, it, that pressure builds and builds and, and, it, and it becomes a detriment. It's not about like, I mean, part of it is about, you know, making family time and priorities and balancing life. But the other thing is like, if you don't create boundaries in, in any role that you have, you'll be less effective in that role. Boundaries are so crucial and important. So you have permission to say no. The next permission I would give is, uh, oh, my sister-in-law is making faces at me. Next permission I would give is permission to be a mediocre parent. Um, and I mean, I'm loving this book I'm reading right now called uh, The Divine Center by Stephen Covey. It's a must-read for any any church leader, but it talks about you know balance in a church calling um, and being centered in various roles that that you that you lead in, and sometimes there's just sort of this uh, in our culture. It's like oh well, you're supposed to like put family first, and you know what, good bishop like be sure you always put your family first, yada yada, and which is isn't bad counsel, but some people they just think oh well, I'm always supposed to put my family first, but the reality is, is I remember being a five-year-old boy. My dad was bishop and, you know, sometimes he wasn't home a lot. But I look back on that now and I realize what he was doing and what he was sacrificing. And I'm a better person because of that example, right? And so sometimes as a leader, it's okay to be a mediocre parent. And I don't mean like that's always the case or when you're a bishop for the five or six years you're bishop, you just have to, uh, you know, deal with this world where your children hate you and <laughs> and they cry for your name at night. That's not what I mean, but the reality is, is you go through waves and there's going to be phases where you're just a mediocre parent. And you know what? That's okay. You're giving your best, but you're serving in, in a good work. And there are blessings that are going to last much longer than that moment um, that it would be if to be at Johnny's baseball game or whatever, right? Like sometimes that sacrifice, your kids may not understand now or your wife may not understand it now, but it will it'll be worth it. And there were moments when my wife literally came to me and said, I hate your calling. <laughs> Most of those moments I can't think came 
uh, when I was in the state presidency, but, um, that was, that was a tough calling that we had to adjust to. It took about a year for us to figure that calling out. Um, but, and you know, that's okay. Like, obviously I wasn't just like told my wife, like, well, you're going to have to deal with it because I'm sacrificing and this is what the Lord wants me to do. But, you know, we talked about it, had good conversations about it, made adjustments, but I just want leaders to know if you feel like a mediocre parent or spouse, like that's okay. Like you're going to go through those phases. You have permission to be that mediocre parent because you're anxiously engaged in good work and there will be seasons of sacrifice and seasons of being an awesome parent, right? The next permission I would give a leader is permission to not please everyone. Like no matter how hard you try, um, there's going to be 5 to 10, maybe 20% of the ward that just doesn't like you. And you may think, okay, well, I'm going to visit them twice as often and serve them and do more, and that really won't help. And you know what? That's just the way it is, and that's okay. You're not meant to be everybody's favorite bishop, and I, I can't I can't accentuate enough, I can't underscore enough the episodes I've done about the nice guy syndrome. I've read several books on this, and so many leaders deal with the nice guy syndrome where they just have to be nice to everybody, say yes to everybody, and it's just, it's it's damaging to your effectiveness as a leader because it's the 20% in your ward that over the next five years or a couple of years or whatever it is, you're going to have such impact on them that that impact will carry through their service and the next person's service and on and on because you realize that I'm not there to serve everybody, but I'm there to serve somebody. Um, you have permission. Next permission I would give is you have permission to cancel meetings. Um, it's just we, we get set in such routines and we think meetings, some meetings are more important than they really are. And the reality is cancel ward council a couple times and the ward keeps going on. People still show up. Ordinances are made. Like it moves on. Like just – or these meetings that are three or four hours. Like just stop it. Just you have permission to do that and you're not a bad leader if you do cancel meetings or, or just – despise meetings um this next one's really important i think that a lot of people don't think about but you have permission to own the room and what i mean by this is um it's confidence humility without confidence is like it's worthless humility is important as a leader but if you're not confident in a leader like what good are you um <laughs> that maybe sound a little bit strong but I just see so many leaders think, golly, you know, I, I just don't know why the Lord chose me. I'm just a, I'm just a humble guy that, what do I know, right? And they never factor in or calculate in confidence to their leadership equation. And so when you're a leader, like own the room, like be the leader, like stand with confidence, promise people outrageous promises and blessings, like own it, like own the room. Make the decision. Be bold with the decision. Create big goals, right? Like show people what humble leadership looks like. And I think a good way, a, a good word for humble leadership is meekness. And reading Elder Bednar's recent conference address about meekness is that that just screams through that. We've you've got to own the room as a leader and be a confident leader. You have permission to be confident and you're not being prideful you're being confident and people need confident leaders people need somebody who can stand up in the crowd and say this way that's the way we're going follow me right so crucial 
Um, the next permission I would give, I got two more. How many have I got so far? I got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight total. So the next permission I give is you have permission to make decisions without clear revelation. And the reason I say this is I remember one instance. We called an individual in my ward. I was serving as a bishop. Called an individual to the ward as the emergency prep person, whatever you call it, emergency prep coordinator. And my counselors went to the, the, this person's house and extended the call to him. And he, like, looked at them all, like, with, like, gusto in his voice and said, did you receive spiritual confirmation about this calling? And, I mean, here's the thing. In our bishop meeting, sure, we start with a prayer. We are spiritual thought. They are very spiritual meetings. Did the, the heavens open and this individual's man fall out of the heavens for the particular calling of emergency preparedness coordinator? Like, I don't know, probably not. We Maybe he was our third choice. Maybe we asked two people before him, and right? This, as far as uh, inspiration by desperation, um, sometimes you're called not because you're going to be this... Uh, this mouthpiece of the Lord in every single decision um, because the Lord's not going to command you in all things, right? And so you're a competent person. The Lord knows that, and you're just going to make decisions. And some of them seem big decisions, or you're not getting a clear answer. You have permission to uh, to make decisions without clear revelation. If you need to make a decision, make a decision. But, you know, and of course, there's going to be times you want to sit on some things or think it over, sleep on some things. But you have permission to make a decision and still include it in the category of inspired. You're an inspired leader, and that's okay. That's a permission a leader should have. And the last permission I have, I thought of several ways of stating this, but you have permission to hug the sinner. There's so many times, I mean, this is probably one of the hugest lessons I've learned from my journey in leading LDS, um, as I've listened to individuals uh, that experience same-sex attraction, uh, those in doubt, those that have addiction, whatever it is. Like most people, they don't need a parental figure that tells them, do you know how bad that is? Or do you know what you're doing is wrong? Or you shouldn't feel that way. A lot of time, they just need a hug. They just need someone that's willing to have a conversation with them and say, you know what? You're a child of God and God loves you. And it's okay to hug the sinner, to encourage the sinner, even if they're living a life of sin and encourage them on their way, but always make them aware and welcome that they have a place in your pews to worship and just give them a hug regardless it's not don't worry about correcting them or getting them on the right path or i'm the bishop so i got to represent the the letter of the law and remind them of what the commandments are right of course there's going to be instances like that um but a lot of time a person just needs to come into bishop's office and say i don't got to figure it out i don't agree with you the church or anybody but i'm here and i just need to talk this through and you can say you know i'm glad you're here and I want to give you a hug, or I want to um, figure out a place for you here. I'm not my my sole intention isn't just to manipulate you or, or influence you to change your your sinning ways. My my intent is to love you, and that a leader needs permission to just hug the sinner, hug the hug the sinner, or even uh, have dinner with the sinner. Is is that the Christ had uh, what is it eight with the sinners right? Um, so those are my eight permissions that eight leaders could have. At least those are the eight that came out of my mind today. I'm sure I'll add more to it, but maybe a potential article idea for leading LDS. Uh, but 
I worry about those leaders out there that are worrying about so many other people that they aren't self taking self-care. They aren't giving themselves permission to not be perfect, and they're, they're being better leaders for it. Um, all right, live from Idaho, folks. What permissions would you have? Send me a, send me a message through leadingLDS.org slash contact. If I'm missing one, I'd love to add to this list. But give yourself permission to be human.